Ephesians chapter 6, I'm going to begin in verse 10 and read through verse 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth tucked around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Spiritual warfare. Paul had an image in his mind that the Christian life and the spreading of the gospel of, the, of Christ to live out who you are in Christ, to walk a worthy walk, Paul saw that it was not going to be easy. In fact, it's going to be a war. And so it is, as he writes to the churches in places like Corinth, Philippi, Thessalonica, Ephesus, his letters include strongly worded warnings. Phrases like, be alert, be aware, be ready, be on your guard against the enemy of your soul and all his schemes. I want you to catch something right as we get started here this morning. When Paul exhorts us to be alert and be ready as believers, it, it's not just something that we're supposed to do. Indeed, that command is so pervasive in the New Testament that it moves over into the area of it's not just something we're supposed to be, to, supposed to do. It's something that I am supposed to be. It's who I am. A believer needs to have as his or her characteristic of their life to be ready and alert for the attacks and the battle of the enemy. So be vigilant. You have an enemy. Be aware because there are going to be attacks. We need to be ready for it. Jesus warns us of the same thing. All the enemy wants to do is to steal, kill, and destroy you. He'll do it while masquerading as an angel of light or dressed in sheep's clothing. Likewise, Peter warns us, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. Merlin, if you'd do me a favor, just turn me down a little bit, would you? You need to understand, as believers, the more you grow, the more you become aware of God's moving in your life, 
the more victory that you experience, the more filling and empowering of the Holy Spirit that comes, you're also at the same time going to become more and more aware of the warfare that is taking place in and around your life. Because Satan is going to move against you to get you to pull back, to go back where you were so that you're comfortable, so that there's your, your life becomes stagnant. Every time God moves in your life, the enemy is going to move against you also because he wants to stop you. Hear it this way. Whenever the wind of the Spirit blows, it is always followed by waves of resistance. And in this section, we've already discovered that we have an enemy, a very personal enemy, Satan and the demonic realm. Satan literally means this, the one who stands in your way, the one who is there to block the work of God in your life, the one who is there to block your spiritual growth. The devil, Diabolos is his name. He is the slanderer, the schemer. Above everything else that he does, he is a liar, the father of lies. Everything he does is about lies. He lies about God. He lies about himself. He lies about death. He lies about life. He lies about heaven. He lies about hell. He lies about joy. That is his function. That's his nature, his character, it's his job. It's his function in our church, in every church, to move in among us and attack us at the very foundation of what makes us the church. You can be sure that he's going to attack how we love one another. Because Jesus said, that's how you're going to know, people are going to know that you're my disciples, by how you love one another. He's going to eat away at the very foundation of our unity in the Spirit. And when we begin to sense those things happening, we better know that Satan is a moving against us. So we need to resist him. We need to stand firm in the faith. We need to pursue love. Let me just add the piece here that if you're frustrated, ticked, aggravated with somebody in the church, maybe it's the enemy at work wanting to bring about some division, some wedge. The best way to fight that, first and foremost, is to pray for the person that you're aggravated with. Wouldn't that be a great response? Every time the enemy tries to stir something up, it causes you to pray. Guess what? He'll find a different tactic because he doesn't want you to pray. That's why for me, the terminology that I see you just Paul using over and over again is so alive, so, so strong. We're exhorted over and over again, pursue love, run after it, persevere in love. Do everything you can to preserve the unity. Everything the enemy does is an attempt to divert us from the things that really matter. To divert us from focusing our attention on grace 
and love and the forgiveness that Christ, who died for us and rose again. Therefore, since we are in this war and since we have an enemy, the call of God to every believer is simply this. Be prepared. Be prepared. My hope and prayer when we finish this section is that everyone who calls this their church home will know what it looks like and how to access and walk in the armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13 says, Put on the full armor of God so that you may, able, may be able to resist when the heat is applied to your life. When that evil day comes, which is yesterday, today, and tomorrow, when the evil day comes, that's not the day to start thinking about putting on the armor of God. We're called to put it on daily so that when it rises up, I'm ready to stand. Put on the full armor of God. In verse 14 and following, Paul begins to delineate for us the elements of the armor that's going to not only protect us in battle, but more than protect us in defensive ways, we have weapons, we have offensive weapons that we need to use that enable us to storm the gates of hell. Jesus promised to us the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. That's not a defensive position. That is an offensive bringing the kingdom where we go approach. First thing we learned about the armor in verse 14 was the belt of truth that we looked at last week. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. We discussed the fact that this belt is a belt of readiness. The people to whom Paul wrote to were uh, most often wore tunics. Besides the big hole at the bottom that I slip over my head, I have an opening for my head, an opening for my arms, very comfortable. But if I'm going to go work in the field or if I'm going to go into a battle, I don't want this thing flapping all over the place. And so what he's talking about, about tucking in this into the belt of truth is you would, they would take and cinch the clothing up into the belt there so that they were free from getting tripped up. The picture here from a spiritual battle standpoint or any battle standpoint is to get prepared for battle. That's what the belt of truth is about. It's a picture of a soldier preparing themselves for warfare. For the believer, this piece of spiritual armor needed for our battle, this belt of truthfulness, we talked about the fact that truthfulness is not so much truthfulness in content of truth. That's going to be the sword of the Spirit. But it's truthfulness in this sense, that my commitment to Christ, that my walk of faith would be without hypocrisy, without guile, undefiled. It's dealing with our commitment. And I'm to wrap around myself this undefiled, without hypocrisy kind of commitment. It's an all-in, no-holds-barred, declaration of war, a call to commitment for the life of the believer because we have been called to a battle.
us we understand as he uses the physical and talks about the spiritual and the physical, you can, you know, volunteer for the army or in some countries you are, you have to serve. <coughs> Don't think as a believer that you can choose that, yeah, I'll sign up for the battle. Well, you're in it whether you want to be or not. Take a step back for a minute. When we look at the enemy and the war that we're in, and where we're at right now in this text, how prepared are we for the battle? Right now, as a soldier, we've been given a belt, a belt of readiness. That's it. Now, it's important, but you're not going to go anywhere in the Christian life And you're not going to go very far in the battle with our enemy unless there are some other things added to the belt. But I need to put this on first. But it's not enough. Two times in this text it says, very important, put on what? The full armor of God. Because we're not going to make it in this battle unless we have all of the pieces in place. The belt of readiness is crucial. It's important. I believe that every other dimension of our spiritual armor is going to tie into it. But it's not enough. What we have right now, if we were to picture this in our minds in terms of a progression of the text, what we have right now is a soldier who is willing to be engaged in the battle. They're eager, teachable, moldable. Which means, if you have responded that way, with what we've dealt with in the text so far, if that's where you're at right now in your Christian walk, you're teachable, you're moldable, you've come to the Lord and you've said, hey, I'm yours. I'm all yours. I'm in. Now, what that soldier needs is to be taught some tactics. And that soldier needs to be trained in how to use the rest of his, of their armor. So today, as we move into this study, Paul is speaking to those who have chosen, I'm all in. They've wrapped around themselves the belt of readiness. Those who are moving into this love God from their toes. They're all in. They're ready to go. They are ready to take the hill with just a belt. For some of you, some place in your faith walk, you were that ready, you were that committed, and you took, well, you tried to take the hill. And because all you had is your firm commitment, yes, the result was whammo, you got nailed. Sometimes we get hurt so bad in the midst of that initial thrust of commitment and fire and excitement that we become delusioned, disillusioned, discouraged. Wow, if that's what this, I don't want any part of this. 
It may have, at one time in your walk of faith, it may have brought you to the brink of your faith. If you haven't had that kind of struggle, I know somebody who has. Listen, when we begin to grow, Satan is going to move against you. And he's going to attack the mind and the heart because he wants to cause you to turn around and stop pursuing this faith walk. The pressure that will be applied at times will be unimaginable. Today, talking to the person who has entered into the war, and maybe you feel like you're losing. Maybe someone here feels like you're losing battle. We need to know some things as soldiers. The first thing we need to know is that while being girded with the belt of commitment gets you into the war, into the battle, it is not enough to win. While it's going to get you into the conflict, it's going to get you off the sidelines, the belt is not going to protect you. And it gives you no offensive weapon that you need to win the fight. I want you to picture in your mind a whole group of army recruits. The unit is beginning to be formed. These soldiers have completely committed themselves that, to the battle that is before them. Do we have a picture of an army? I Yeah, there we go. It's the Wailing Wall in the background. Judy and I had the opportunity to go to Israel one day on our tour. Off in the distance, we heard panting and military, let's go. And we didn't had no idea. I mean, it almost sounded like a riot. We're like, oh, something not good in the old city. And we're walking toward it, and it got louder, and we got louder. We came around a corner, and in the center there are men and women who have just finished their graduation into their term in the Israeli army. In Israel, Every young man and woman has to serve in the military. This was graduation, going into their time of service. And watching them interact with each other, the bonding that had taken place in this particular group, and then the interaction of, with their family members around them, it was very clear that they were all in. Unless you have served in the military, we have no idea what it's like to live in that context, surrounded by enemies. From the time you're born, that's what you know. People that want to just snuff you out. But here's the truth for you and me. We have an enemy that wants to snuff you out. And while ultimately... He wants your life to end. Between now and then, if he just makes you 
insignificant than he's once. So here we go. You've got the belt. The next piece introduced to us by Paul in this same verse, the breastplate of righteousness. To understand what this piece of armor does or offers to the believer, we need to look at it just in the physical. A breastplate was a common piece of equipment for the Roman soldier. I don't really need to describe it to you. You've seen enough movies, well depicted in those movies, of what a breastplate, breastplate looks like. Some soldiers used what was called a chain mail, which is a, a full covering dropped over you with these tiny links of metal. Think of Lord of the Rings and Gimli. Anybody? I got one, two, thank you. Others, though, would have this large breastplate. It was made of metal and bronze or combination of those or molded into plate. But whatever the design, the breastplate is intended to prevent a blow from an enemy's sword or another weapon from reaching the soldier's vital organs. Primarily, the heart literally went from the bottom of the neck to the top of the thigh, covers this whole area. And when wearing a breastplate, you don't have to worry about parts that are otherwise very vulnerable. They're protected. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to be worried about being pierced there. And what that allows me to do is to forge ahead into battle. I may take a hit, take a shot. It might hurt, but it's not going to kill me. The breastplate, if I were to give you something to grab onto, and its function is this, it gave the soldier confidence in the battle. It gave the soldier confidence to fight aggressively because I'm protected here on a physical level. Now, what I want to add to that image, the breastplate offers on a spiritual level. And to get there, we need to start by understanding that for the Jewish mind, which is part of the audience that Paul is writing to, and, Jew, and Paul himself is a Jew, when they would read this or hear this about this breastplate, and they consider figuratively what it protects, and spiritually what it protects, the heart and the stomach. See, to the Jew, this represents their thought, and their emotions. Thoughts and emotions. We've covered this already in this study of Ephesians, so I'm not going to unpack it other than to say, for us, this is our emotions. That's not how the Jew thinks. This is the seat of their mind, their thoughts, and this is where they felt things. You see somebody hurting, you're like, oh, I just feel for them. So spiritually, if they're per protected here, if they're protected in their thought life and they're protected in their emotions, they can go into battle. 
Because if I get taken out of my thought life, or my emotions are shot, I can't fight the battle. If you're tracking with me right now, when you think about the warfare that maybe you're involved in right now, on any day, any week, any season, we get hit with something, right? Life happens on any day. Some things that we face are easier to deal with than others. We look at them, we see God in it, we, that, that is, we see his grace, we see his strength. But when I get hit in my thought life, when I get shot in my emotions, when the wind gets taken out of me, and you feel like people are against you. The, the reality of God, ah, oh, he's just not here. Satan will attack you there when you are most vulnerable in your thoughts and in your emotions. When that happens, I need something to help me through times like that, and so do you. I need something that's going to give me protection in the realm in that area of my life. It isn't going to do me any good to just stuff those feelings or deny those feelings. I can't just pretend it's not happening. Pain? No. Got to go to work. Got company coming over. Deal with it later. Stuff it. Medicate it. I need something that's going to protect me and help me deal with it. Answer, Paul's answer, the breastplate of righteousness. We're in a war. And I've noted every step along the way, the enemy is going to try to derail you. Satan, in fact, would like, would like you to think that you could just sit on the sidelines and still be all that God wants you to be. But if you bought into that lie, that's what it is. You've been deceived. Or he'd like you to go into the battle with just commitment, with just the belt. Not fully prepared. Just going in with the belt, easy target. Another thing he'd like you to do is to settle for a cheap imitation of the breastplate of righteousness. The lie, the deception, the delusion that he would bring against the believer who has decided genuinely from their toes, I'm all in. You're all mine. God, I'm all, I'm all of yours. They have the belt of truth. Undefiled commitment. It's not enough in and of itself. The enemy would come to them and offer them a breastplate of righteousness. But it would be made of their self-righteousness. Made of my own righteousness. 
We're talking here about the Christian flat out committed. You meet business with the Lord. You've seen him do things in and through your life. The trap comes when we begin to believe that I'm the one doing it. I'm the one who's strong. Look what I've done, God. As soon as I, as soon as you begin to believe that even that much, that what God is doing through you is because of you, that you have then put on for yourself a breastplate made of paper. And the enemy is going to go right through it. The reason I know it's made of nothing more than paper is that it may look nice. Even though it looks good to those who observe it, because it's made of my own righteousness, there's a flaw. Maybe two. Somewhere. And that's why Paul, for him, he never says, I've arrived. Instead, it's always, I'm pressing on because I haven't arrived. I'm not fully there yet, ever. This breastplate of my own righteousness is the mask that we talk about, that we've often talked about in this study. Some of us put it on just special for Sunday morning. It looks so nice, shiny, clean. I do everything I can in how I perform, in how I pretend to keep it looking nice when I interact with other believers. I want to keep people thinking that I have everything in place, that it's just wonderful. I'll lie if I have to to give, keep you thinking that I have it all together. How you doing? Great. Just great. Beloved, that armor will never protect you in the battle. Never. You can try. Maybe, maybe you need to try. Maybe you need to find out that it Maybe it'll take you falling on your face and come to a point of brokenness and recognizing that it doesn't work. Somewhere there's a flaw, and when it's revealed, you're really going to get beaten up because the enemy is going to take and twist and turn and bring condemnation down on you. Guilt, shame, all the tactics of the enemy It'll cause you to withdraw from other believers. It'll cause you to withdraw from God. Beaten. That isn't freedom. When I live a life that's dependent on what other people think of me, I'm in trouble. See, what this counterfeit breastplate amounts to is nothing less than me trying in my own strength to fight a warfare battle that I cannot win. Just like I can never be good enough to earn salvation, I will never in my own strength be able to fight this battle or win this war. 
So lesson number one, dear soldiers, eager and ready to join in, who have girded yourself with unbridled commitment, put on a breastplate that will protect you in the warfare. Put on a breastplate that doesn't have any cracks, a breastplate that is strong enough so that when the arrows come, and they will come, that they won't destroy you. There's only one kind of breastplate for that. F.F. Bruce, tremendous Bible expositor, says, in dealing with the breastplate of righteousness, I quote, self-reliance in any form would constitute no bulwark for my soul. It would surely wrinkle and warp in that evil hour. When things aren't tough, it might work. But I have but one shield, one buckler, which no sword can pierce. He is the Lord who is my righteousness. Put that on. Because it's the only one that will work. He goes on, By faith, I put on the righteousness that he affords me through his grace and salvation. That is my impregnable rampart and buttress, which no volley from the pit of hell can destroy. My protection, my breastplate is the ark of God itself. Nothing else will work. Why? 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 and 4. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, we have divine power to demolish strongholds. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, God made Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's who you are. Put that on. Believer, put that righteousness on. The righteousness that is his, that has been given to you, because that's the only thing that's going to protect you. He has accepted you, forgiven you, adopted you, sealed you. Put that on. Believe it. Accept it. Receive it. Satan, listen, Satan is beaten by believing that what Christ did for you For your salvation, he's done it. Put it on by faith. Ephesians 1.4, he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. That's who you are. Put it on. Do you believe it? Put it on by faith. That's your breastplate. I mentioned a moment ago that, and we're coming close to the end of it, that when we finish Ephesians, that everyone in the room would know how to put on the armor of God. Likewise, I pray that every one of us know how to put on and walk in and articulate who you are in Christ. That you know how to pray through it. That you'll know how to take off things that the Holy Spirit says, you've you got to get rid of that, you've got to let it go. And things that you need to put on in its place. That you'll know how to fight the good fight. 
Psalm 91, verse 2. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Put that on. Psalm 144, verses 1 and 2. Praise be to the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war, my fingers for battle. You are my loving God. You are my fortress. You are my stronghold. You are my deliverer. You are my shield. In you I take refuge. Put that on. Put that on even as I pray. Put that on even as a worship team comes up as we sing one more song. Put that on and take the counterfeit piece off. It'll never work. Believer, you are the righteousness of God in Christ. Worship team, come on up.